If you like moving art, you may also like another NLP podcast we have called Radio DDC. It's a series where we look into stories from the National Library's collections. Radio DDC is now available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to moving art. Welcome to Moving Art, where we explore topics and themes related to the field of the performing arts. Whether it's film, theatre, music or dance, I hope there's something here that appeals to you. Hi, I'm Melissa Kawasoe and I'm from Singapore's only public performing arts library, the Library at Esplanade. This is the final installment of a four-part Film Talk series in which I'll chat about various topics in film, ranging from genres to fun facts about the one invention that changed the way we look at mass entertainment in the 20th century. Hailed as Japan's Walt Disney, Hayao Miyazaki has long been a household name in the land of the rising sun. But it's only recently that the rest of the world begins sitting up and noticing what the deal is all about. And the Oscar goes to... In 2003, Spirited Away won the Best Animated Feature Award at the 75th Academy Awards, making it the only non-English language animated film to have this honor. So, who is the man behind this film and many more? And why are his works beloved by so many in the world? Hayao Miyazaki was born on the 5th of January 1941 in Tokyo, Japan. His father was the director of the family business, Miyazaki Airplanes, which manufactured parts for fighter planes. The family business instilled a love of flying in Miyazaki, which becomes apparent in most of his works. Here's a short clip from the English-dubbed version of Naoshika of the Valley of the Wind during an air convoy attack. Enemy ship! We're under fire! Your Highness! They're attacking us! Our number two ship is going down! However, later in life, Miyazaki felt guilty that his family had profited from Japan's efforts in World War II, and his dislike for militarism casts long shadows in films like Naoshika and Porco Rosso. Apart from flying, Miyazaki's interests include children's literature, film, and animation. He was inspired by Antoine du Saint-Exupéry, aviator and writer of The Little Prince. He also admired the early works of Disney for their technical innovations, but thought their emotional depictions were far too simplistic. In 1958, Miyazaki became interested in animated movies after his imagination was stirred by Japan's first color feature-length anime produced by Toei Animation, Hakujaden, or Legend of the White Snake. Despite this, he wanted to be a comic book artist at that time, as opposed to an animator. 
Instead of pursuing his interest in animation, Miyazaki majored in political science and economics in Gakushuin University. However, his heart was still in the arts, especially as they appealed to children, and so he pursued his interest in comic books as a member of the university's children's literature club. In 1963, Miyazaki joined Toei Animation as an animator. If you're unfamiliar with one of Asia's largest animation producers, perhaps these titles might ring a bell. Dragon Ball, Sailor Moon, and One Piece? Miyazaki learned the basics of animation and started with filling in the cell-by-cell movements of characters and objects, eventually learning to draw characters. He quickly became a leader in the animators' union as he impressed his co-workers at Toei with his vivid imagination and story ideas for the studio. In 1964, he met fellow animator Akemi Ota, who became his wife later on. That same year, Toei Animation released the animated film The Great Adventures of Horus, Prince of the Sun. The film was significant as it was Miyazaki's first major work and a collaboration with the chief animator Yasuo Otsuka and director Isao Takahata. The latter went on to become collaborator, business partner, and lifelong friend to Miyazaki. Miyazaki and Takahata continued to work for various studios throughout the 1970s, and in June 1985, the duo, together with Toshio Suzuki, launched Studio Ghibli. The name Ghibli was chosen from the Italian noun Ghibli, based on the Libyan Arabic word for hot desert wind. Although the Italian word would be more accurately transliterated as Ghibri, the name is romanized in Japanese as Ghibri. Miyazaki chose the name with the idea that the studio would blow a new wind through the anime industry. And boy did it! Five of Studio Ghibli's films are among the 10 highest-grossing anime films made in Japan, with 2001's Spirited Away being number two, grossing over US $380 million worldwide. 2004's Howl's Moving Castle, 2008's Ponyo, 1997's Princess Mononoke, and 2010's The Secret World of Ariete come in for the remaining four. Studio Ghibli also produces films by people other than Miyazaki, but for the most part, the studio's reputation rests on his accomplishments. The first film the studio released is 1986 Laputa, Castle in the Sky, directed by Miyazaki. The way you fell from the sky, I thought that maybe you were an angel or something. What? Yeah, I had to catch you. It's Laputa, a floating island. An island that floats in the sky? Yep. Most people think it's just a legend, but my dad actually saw it. Nobody believed him. Fun fact: Miyazaki derived the name Laputa from Gulliver's Travels by Jonathan Swift. He was unaware that it was a crude word in Spanish, and said he wouldn't have used it if he'd known. When Disney released it, it was renamed Castle in the Sky instead. The story is set in the late 19th century and follows the adventures of a young boy and girl. Who attempt to safeguard a magic crystal from a group of military agents while searching for a legendary floating castle? An expression of Miyazaki's love of anything to do with flight, 
The film features flying robots, steampunk airships, and an airborne castle, as well as two of his recurring themes, which I'll elaborate on in a bit. An interest in caring for nature and a mistrust of civilization. In 1988, the studio's fuzzy, giant cat-like mascot and most recognizable character debuted in the film My Neighbor Totoro. This animated fantasy film tells the story of a father and his two daughters who move to the Japanese countryside to be closer to their sick mother who is in hospital. The two children, Satsuki and Mei, find dust creatures named Susuwatari, and this begins a fascination with forest creatures and the spirituality of nature. Similar to Alice in Wonderland, where Alice chases after the white rabbit, May chases after a small, vanishing creature into the forest and falls through a rabbit hole, where she finds the magical, majestic forest spirit, Totoro. Fun fact, there are more than a few personal links with Miyazaki and My Neighbor Totoro. The film is set in Tokorozawa City in Saitama Prefecture, where Miyazaki lived, and his mother had been hospitalized and bedridden with spinal tuberculosis for most of his childhood, similar to the film. The Hachikokuyamo Hospital where the mother is being treated was an actual center of excellence for the treatment of TB at that time. Coincidentally, Mei, the younger sister in the film, is about the same age as Miyazaki when his mother became ill. Here's a clip from the original Japanese trailer where Satsuki writes a letter to her mom telling her about Mei's new friend Totoro and how she wishes to meet him. In the mid-90s, Disney offered a deal to Tokuma Studio Ghibli's parent company when it was struggling financially. In exchange for the distribution rights for films produced by Studio Ghibli Worldwide, excluding Southeast Asia, Tokuma would be relieved of its financial burden. This is why many of Studio Ghibli's films are dubbed in English and re-released, extending their reach globally. Miyazaki mainly uses cell animation which is a series of two-dimensional images that are transferred onto a celluloid and then colored in. Interestingly, he doesn't start with a script. He begins with a storyboard and then goes back to fill in the dialogue and write the script. The foundation of Miyazaki's films is built on empathy and reality. Empathy captured by the audience's self-projection on the characters and reality through the honest depiction of the unpredictability in people's lives. His characters begin flawed and end flawed. They are never perfect, just like human beings. The process of developing his characters includes what he observes in humanity. The humanization of his characters begins through the visual representation of character movement, revealing what the character thinks through their physical actions. Are they clumsy? Careful? Small details at such a precise degree are what make Miyazaki's characters feel human. Because we recognize the basic tasks they perform that other filmmakers wouldn't include. 
giving us insights to characters when they are most relatable. Examples would include a character tripping as they are running off, crumbs from a sandwich lingering on the side of the mouth, the taking off of shoes before entering the home, and a background character picking his nose as he waits patiently in line. There are no stereotypical good and evil characters. Instead, characters display both good and evil traits as they undergo trials and tribulations. In 1997's Princess Mononoke, Lady Eboshi, the main antagonist in the film, destroys the forest for industrial raw materials without concern for the flora and fauna. But at the same time, the lepers and former prostitutes she gives shelter to have great respect and gratitude for her. The film ends with reconciliations all around instead of the vanquishing of some irredeemable evil. Similarly, Miyazaki's stories are never about a protagonist winning, but how they adapt and grow in a world that isn't built around their needs. His young heroes usually merge tradition with quest for selfhood, making friends and allies when they least expect, as he feels there's a need for adolescents to experience solidarity with others. One of the biggest themes in Miyazaki's works is the love and respect for nature. A running subtext for many of his films is the view that civilization is a disease and weakness, and he has been quoted as saying he wonders when the end of civilization will come and what it would be like. This is why end-of-civilization settings figure prominently in works like Naoshika of the Valley of the Wind and Laputa, Castle in the Sky. In My Neighbor Totoro, the family worships a tree in a forest where magical creatures reside. This ecological consciousness is echoed in Princess Mononoke, which is set in the late Muromachi period in Japan. Compared to other Ghibli films, this movie has a darker and more violent setting and tone, and depicts a young man, Ashtaka, who finds himself embroiled in a struggle between the gods of the forest and the humans that consume its resources. Here's a clip from the Japanese trailer where the wild boars vow to show the humans their strength, even if it means that they will be wiped out. <laughs> one's Spirited Away is a story about a 10-year-old girl named Chihiro who stumbles into a world of spirits based on Japanese folklore while moving into a new home with her parents. She ends up working at a mystical bathhouse where a stink spirit comes in for a soak. Look, a valued customer. Welcome to our baths. Oh, oh it's money. Take the nice customer's money. Yes, ma'am. It's only after she pulls something out of the stink spirit, which turns out to be a piece of trash, that Chihiro realizes that it's a river spirit that has been polluted. This scene was inspired by an actual event. Miyazaki once cleaned up his local river, and there was a bicycle stuck in it. Ten people had to wrap a rope around it to get it out. Once the river was cleaned up, the fish came back, 
and that's why he added that scene. Miyazaki believes that everything in the world has its own life, its history, and its own animating force, which stems from Japan's native religion, Shintoism. Shintoism focuses on ritual practices that are diligently carried out, establishing a connection between present-day Japan and its ancient past, where a multitude of gods, known as kami, are worshipped. Kami is defined as spirits or gods that manifest in different forms. Rocks, trees, animals, rivers, and places. In a 2010 interview at UC Berkeley, Miyazaki references Shintoism by explaining that we often think that people and nature are separate, but to him, nature can be found within people. 2008's Ponyo, about a goldfish princess who is rescued by a five-year-old human boy, Sosuke, foregrounds Ponyo's desire to become a human girl against the devastating consequences caused by her willful use of magic. Mom! A goldfish! I saved her! She sure is pretty. Don't worry, I'll take good care of you. I think I'll call her Ponyo. It is nature within Ponyo that unleashes a tsunami on the fishing town. But the end result is not a natural disaster. Instead, the tsunami becomes a cleansing wave for the town and its inhabitants, embodying the sense of hope that Miyazaki sees in the power of nature. The celebration of woman and girlhood is also another prominent theme in Miyazaki's works. His films usually feature a shoujo, or young girl, as the protagonist. Young girls in anime are traditionally portrayed as innocent and cute, compared to their stereotypically hardworking male counterparts. But Miyazaki's shoujos differ in that they are more active, independent, and self-driven. They take control of the situation while displaying the hallmarks of shoujo mannerisms. In this way, his characters stay true to Japanese culture while displaying Western models of courage and heroism commonly associated with male figures. Miyazaki's heroines have come to represent feminism and a new coming of age within the media of Japan. For example, in Totoro, Satsuki shows a great level of maturity for her age, standing in as the maternal figure for her younger sister while their mother is in hospital and finding her own solutions to her problems. In Spirited Away, Chihiro starts off as a regular 10-year-old who evolves into a spunky and thoughtful adolescent to save her parents. Don't be afraid. I'm Master Haku. No. I just want to help you. No. Do you have a favorite Studio Ghibli film? Why is it your favorite? As always, some of the titles I've mentioned are available for loan at our public libraries, so do check out the catalog for more details. There are also resources on films, including animation and filmmaking, available at the library at Esplanade. Thank you for tuning into Film Talk. I hope you've enjoyed all four parts of the series, and I hope to catch you again soon.
Okay, everybody, that's a wrap.